Hey guys, welcome to our reflection this week. I'm going to be continuing our series in Genesis and we're going to be looking a little bit at the life of Hagar uh, and kind of bringing out this idea um, of the God who sees us, as she said in, in the passage that we're going to read. So I'm going to actually read two different passages. And I think what I would like to just encourage you to do as I read these, these passages of Scripture to um, there's a meditative, uh, co contemplative uh, kind of method of imagining ourselves in the story. So you might imagine yourself as one of the characters in the story, uh, Abraham, Sarah, Hagar, um, or you might just imagine yourself as a bystander, but to, to really kind of place yourself there uh, as it's happening and, and to look at, um, and kind of absorb uh, all that's going on in the in the passage. So I'm going to start reading. Uh, there's, as I said, there's two passages. The first one is from Genesis chapter 16, and I will read the whole passage. So as I say, um, just place yourself in this story. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she said to Abram, The Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Abram agreed to what Sarah said. So after Abram had been living in Canaan for ten years, Sarah, his wife, took her Egyptian slave, Hagar, and gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar, and she conceived. When she knew she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. Then Sarai said to Abram, You are responsible for all the wrong I am suffering. I put my slave in your arms, and now that she knows she is pregnant, she despises me. May the Lord judge between you and me. Your slave is in your hands, Abram said. Do with her whatever you think best. Then Sarai mistreated Hagar, so she fled from her. The angel of the Lord found Hagar near a spring in the desert. It was the spring that is beside the road to Shur. And he said, Hagar, slave of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? I'm running away from my mistress Sarai, she answered. Then the angel of the Lord told her, go back to your mistress and submit to her. The angel added, I will increase your descendants so much that they will be too numerous to, to count. The angel of the Lord also said to her, you are not now pregnant, you are now pregnant, and you will give birth to a son. You shall name him Ishmael, for the Lord has heard of your misery. He will be a donkey of a man, his hand will be against everyone, and everyone's hand against him, and he will live in hostility towards his, all his brothers. She gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her, You are the God who sees me. For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. That is why the well was called Bir Lahai Roy. It is there between Kadesh and Bered. So Hagar bore Abram a son, and Abram gave the name Ishmael to the son she had borne. Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore him Ishmael. You may want to pause there and just meditate on that passage. So we go to the next passage, which is from Genesis chapter one, 21, sorry, Genesis chapter one, 21, 
and starting. Actually, I'll read again um, from the beginning. Now the Lord was gracious to Sarah, as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. Sarah became pregnant, and she bore a son to Abram in his old age, at the very time God had promised him. Abram gave the name Isaac to the son Sarah bore him. When his son Isaac was eight days old, Abraham circumcised him as God commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. Sarah said, God has brought me laughter, and everyone who hears about this will laugh with me. And she said, Who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. The child grew and was weaned, and on the day Isaac was weaned, Abraham held a great feast. But Sarah saw that the son whom Hagar, the Egyptian, had borne to Abraham was mocking. She said to Abraham, Get rid of that slave woman and her son, for that woman's son will never share in the inheritance with my son Isaac. The matter distressed Abraham greatly because it concerned his son. But God said to him, Do not be so distressed about the boy and your slave woman. Listen to whatever Sarah tells you, because it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. I will make the son of the slave into a nation also, because he is your offspring. Early the next morning, Abraham took some food and a skin of water and gave, it to, gave them to Hagar. He set them on her shoulders and then sent her off with the boy. She went on her way and wandered in the desert of Beersheba. When the water in the skin was gone, she put the boy under one of the bushes. Then she went off and sat about a bowshot away, for she thought, I cannot watch the boy die. And as she sat there, she began to sob. God heard the boy crying, and the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, What is the matter, Hagar? Do not be afraid. God has heard the boy crying as he lies there. Lift the boy up and take him to the, by the hand, for I will make him into a great nation. Then God opened her eyes, and she saw a well of water. So she went and filled the skin with water and gave the boy a drink. God was with the boy as he grew up. He lived in the desert and became an archer. While he was living in the desert of Paran, his mother got a wife for him from Egypt. So you may want to pause again and just meditate on that passage. And then I'll give you some thoughts. So I wonder what you felt as you listened to those passages or as you thought about them. I wonder where you sat, who, who you identified with, if anybody, uh, if you sat as a bystander, um, what you felt in your heart as the scene opened up before you. When Mike and I were looking at going through Genesis, uh, this passage came to my mind. I, I, I didn't remember the detail of it, but I do remember. I did remember that Hagar had had called God the one who sees me, and I thought that this would be a great passage to to reflect on in our um, series through Genesis. And I thought, well, maybe it would be a good opportunity since we're coming out of a difficult time. Um, with COVID, um, that it might be a good, good passage to meditate on because we all need to reflect on on the God who sees us. Um, and maybe I thought that, that we can think about mental health or some of the other issues that we struggle with in that passage. 
But I have to confess that, that when I went back and read the passage, it really struck me quite differently than, than what I had kind of been hoping to bring out of it. Um, and what really struck me was, was just the injustice that was in this passage that was laid out that Sarah, through her, her, her lack of faith in God being able to do what he promised, gave Hagar, her slave, to Abraham to be his wife and to, to bear children for him. But when she actually bore children or when she became pregnant, um, Sarah was, was jealous and, and um, was really abusive. And that really, really kind of upset me. I, I mean, I recognize that Hagar wasn't exactly faultless in this either. I mean, she did, she did um, I think, have some wrong in her and she, in the way that she related to Sarah after she found out she was pregnant. But, um, but I just think of, I guess part of it is that, that when we think of Abraham and Sarah, we think of the mother and father of our faith. We often, in fact, many, uh, many theologians would, would compare Sarah as a model of the church. And I just think how much it grieves me that she in this place of being a mother of the faith would, would treat someone so, so poorly. And Abraham again is, is not faultless either because he, um, he listened to his wife and did what she said with, without questioning the justice in it. And, and that really frustrated me as well. Um, but the fact is, I think that we do often face injustice and sadly we do often face injustice from Christian brothers and sisters who we would think or we would hope and we would pray would have a, um, a heart more like Jesus, a heart that would be um, less inclined towards injustice towards us or, uh, and more inclined towards love. We're often judged by other Christians judged harshly um, for our failings or even perceived failings that may not be failings at all. Um, I've certainly been, um, I've had really, really bad situations where I was deeply, deeply hurt by, by Christians, by leaders in, in a church before, by friends who were Christians. Um, and so that's kind of what came out for me as I meditated on this passage because it, it it's much less about a God who sees us simply in kind of random uh, struggles, although he certainly does, and, and I don't dismiss that at all. But, but this passage really specifically deals with a God who sees when we are unjustly, unjustly treated, and especially unjustly treated by the people of God. Sarah and Abraham were the epitome of the people of God, and Hagar was... Um, was treated really badly, and Ishmael was treated really badly. The fact is that, that Sarah gave Hagar to be Abraham's wife, and so he should have protected her as a wife and not as a slave, but he continued to see her as a slave. Um, but the fact is that God does see us, and God is with us. And another thing that kind of came out from this passage for me is that... Um, that God is there with us in our struggles, but that doesn't mean he takes our struggles away. It, 
Hagar went through the things that she went through and she, she despaired even to the point where she was thinking her and her boy were going to die. It was that bad. And yet God was there and pulled her out of it at the last minute. So God doesn't necessarily save us from our struggles but walks through them with us. And he's, he, he, he is with us. And even if she died, you know, one of the things that popped into my head as I was, as I was kind of going through this, thinking through a God who walks through us, through the struggles with us, I was kind of reminded of uh, the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego uh, in Babylon, friends of, of Daniel, we think. Um, when, when they were challenged and they were basically threatened that if they didn't bow to this idol, that they would be thrown in the furnace, you know, they didn't just say, well, God will save us from the furnace. They said, even if God doesn't save us from the furnace, I will still do what God wants me to do. And I will still know that he's going to walk with us. And I think that that's the attitude that we should carry through life, that even if God doesn't save us from our struggles in this life, we know that this is a momentary, a fleeting moment in, in eternity that this life is, and that we will be with him eternally without all the struggles in in a comparative moment and so i just think, i guess i just encourage us that as we think about our own struggles the injustices we face that we would know that god is walking with us that we we would know that god sees us in the struggle and he hears us crying out to him and whether he saves us from it or not, whether he, he removes the struggle from us or he walks with us, with us through it, even to the point of death, it's a moment and the, and the rest is an eternity of joy and, and oneness and unity with God. And so there's nothing to be afraid of. We know that God is walking with us through the struggle. He is the God who sees. He is the God who sees everything that we're going through and walks with us. Amen. Bless you guys. I hope you're doing well. And I pray that whatever you're going through at this, this moment in time, that you would recognize the Lord is with you and the Lord is working through the things that you're going through at this time. He's, he's, he's bringing up um, treasures, whether you see them in this life or in the life to come. There are treasures welling up even from the struggles that you're going through. So bless you guys. I'm praying for you and we'll see you soon.